Hello everyone. Welcome back to See the Sunrise. This is season four and episode 14. Seeing the sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. It is in the book of Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3 where the Lord is speaking to the prophet while he's in prison. He said to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing, not only behind the scenes, but in the lives of everyday people like you and me. From the pulpit to the pew, we all have had various challenges and experiences that bring us to a need for Christ in our life. This week, I want to talk about influencers or people that have influence. And to uh, elaborate on that, I want to go to the book of Matthew chapter 5. And I'm only going to read a few verses in your hearing and you'll understand as we go forward. But I'm going to begin at verse 13 and I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. So don't get lost or distracted because there are a lot of ye and thenceforth and all of those words. We'll make it clear as we go forward. From verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's Matthew 5, 13 through 16. So, I started this talking about influencers. And did you know that you can affect the character, development, and behavior of someone? If you know that, then you realize you are an influencer. Think about all of those in your home, those you grew up with, your parents. They try to influence you with at least good parents do, exercising good behaviors. Or think about those when you hang around your friends and they're doing things that mm, weren't necessarily something that your parents taught you, like trying to convince you to have a drink or smoke a cigarette. Those people are influencers as well. You can be a bad influence or a good influence. Today, people have made influencing into a multi-million dollar industry. There are, I'm going to give you an example using social media. There are between 2,000 and 15,000 TikTok influencers with over 1 million followers. That means these this these 2,000 to 15,000, 15, it's easy for me to say, TikTok influencers have a following because there's something that 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 they say or do that encourages people to follow them and basically they are influenced by them. There are between 3,000 and 30,000 TikTok influencers with more than 100,000 followers. And there are between 5,000 and 50,000 TikTok influencers with more than 1,000 followers. Influencers are huge on TikTok, but not, not only on TikTok. This platform allows for links to users' bios to their YouTube channels or Instagram accounts. So it's easy for influencers who already have a following on these platforms to direct people who find them on TikTok back and forth. So they have a large opportunity and influence um, on individuals because of that social media platform. There is one individual by the name, he's a Sing Singalese born individual by the name of KB Lane. 
It is said he has 161.3 million followers on TikTok, which equates to $50,000 from advertisers. And you know what? He doesn't say a word. He's silent and he's able to influence others to follow him. Influencers have the ability to or the power to affect the purchasing decisions of people because of their authority or their knowledge or their position or relationship they have with their audience. A following in a distinct niche with whom they actively engage. Think of the people that do these makeup and some of them do exercises uh, or exercise videos or things like that or food or cooking videos or I hear these things called mukbang where people eat all these different kinds of food and people just watch them. They are influencers and social media demonstrates that the more likes, the more influence that they have. Did you know that you're an influencer? You may not have millions of followers, but there's probably someone following you, someone that's influenced by your behavior, by your action. But the problem is that many people don't know that they're influencers. These verses I just read you read to you in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, they come after the Beatitudes. It's a continuation of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I've chosen to use the King James Version because I found that other translations seek to water down the message that Jesus is teaching his disciples. In these four verses, Jesus is telling us or teaching us or preaching to us and letting us know who we are. And it's essential that we do know who we are, especially who we are in Christ, if we want to be an effective disciple. There is a famed Swiss psychologist by the name of Carl Jung. He said, the world will ask you who you are. And if you don't know, the world will tell you. So who is Jesus talking to when he's, he's preaching and teaching? Well, first, the passage's context, meaning the place and where he's at, it tells us and who he's talking to. He tells us that Jesus spoke directly to his disciples. And it's true that they weren't called Christians yet. And that's because Jesus hadn't completed his mission to save sinners through his substitutionary sacrifice. Yet, uh, it is an application for us because he has been that substitute and he has been crucified and he has been buried and he has rose again. And now he has transcended and sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. In other words, you are a Christian and Jesus is speaking to you. It's important to know who you are as Christians. As Christians, Jesus is saying, we are the salt of the earth. Now, some, tra some translations, that's why I used King James Version, says that you are like the salt of the earth. And when you use terms like like, well, like, when you say like, you're saying you have some of the characteristics, but not the actual thing. You are, that you're similar to or comparable to. No, that's not what Jesus says. He says, ye are the salt of the earth. You should be affecting others with joy that comes from the Lord. We should be affecting others with joy. Salt enhances the flavor of food. And upon further research, I found that salt reduces bitterness but increases sweetness. And it's said that sweet foods get sweeter when you add a little salt. Now, and this is not a science lesson or a science test, but these are things I found and it's important because when you're ex extracting or exegeting scripture, you want to make sure that you're clear and that you're clarifying and that you're making sense out of what's been said. And the, the chloride ions in the salt activate sweet taste receptors and, and they are linked to neurons. So 
Imagine what a little bit of salt can do to a bitter person. Neuroscientists suggest that higher concentrations of salt may be perceived as bitter and or sour, while very low concentrations are perceived as sweet by humans. What that says to me is that it doesn't take much. It only takes a little bit. When Jesus tells us that we are the salt of the earth, he's saying we bring sweetness to bitterness. Have you ever been around an angry, bitter person, and when you bring your salt, they suddenly become sweet? They are not as snarly as you're accustomed to them being? And that is what we are. We are to be the one that gets that little bit of salt as it and helps the world turn to sugar. We are the one that, spread, that spreads that salt, um, and it doesn't take much. So why is Jesus telling us this? Well, he's telling us this. Just look around. We live in a bitter world, and it's not hard to find an angry person. Not anywhere today. I mean, they're all around. We can tell them by the symbols that they wear, the language they use, how they treat others. The world is filled with people who need a little salt in their lives, and we are that salt. Jesus is telling us, sprinkle it all over the earth. That means wherever we go and whoever we encounter. Think of yourself, I like this illustration, as a salt shaker anytime you face a bitter person. Start shaking some of that salt out and see won't Jesus turn that bitterness into sugar. Pleasing, someone pleasing, someone who has been given a little bit of flavor. So where is he telling us to sprinkle it? On the world, which means any and everyone we come in contact with. We should never be reluctant to sprinkle on some salt. You, we, we will see when we do that how God uses us to share the gospel through a very simple act. Someone may ask us, why are you being nice to me when I'm being so mean? So I'm just giving you a little salt. I'm just sprinkling on a little bit of the love of God. That's all I'm doing. Haven't you ever been around someone who looks and acts like they've been eating nails? Imagine what a kind word might do. God's not asking you to quote scripture or proselytize, meaning evangelize or preach. No, some of us are called to that. That's not what he's asking. He's asking us to be friendly, bring some flavor, enhance someone's life by demonstrating the love of Christ. You see, when we lose our salt, guess what? It's good for nothing. And that's not what Jesus calls us. He doesn't call us good for nothings. He calls us his disciples, the salt of the earth. But if our salt has lost its flavor, then we're good for nothing. And listen, I didn't say it. Read the word. It's, that's where it says it. And that's where it says if a salt has lost its flavor, it is good for nothing. Then Jesus says we are the light of the world. So we're not only salt, but we're light. Now, I dare say most of you know what light does. It illuminates. It shows what's hidden. Jesus goes on to give clarity to what it means to be light. So, for example... I love how Jesus teaches and how he gives us these examples and parables. He says, if we are a city that's on a hill or a place that's high up, that's lit up, it can't hide. That we are like a city that's placed on that hilltop. And if we are that city that serves God, that follows him, then we are like that city that's lit up and should be easy to find in the dark. When someone's having a difficult day or a hard time, they should be able to see you and be able to run to you and say, you know what? There's something about you. There's a light inside of you. I need that or I just need you to pray with me or just be with me. That's being light. Jesus further teaches, teaches using an example of a candle. If you put a candle under a, bush, under a bushel, what happens to it? 
A candle needs oxygen to burn. So if you place it under a bushel, it's extinguished when we remove the oxygen. But if we cover our can and let me say that, if we cover our candle with a bushel, what we're doing is removing the oxygen and extinguishing light. And oxygen helps things grow and reproduce and turn food into energy. Humans get oxygen, we, by breathing through our nose and mouth and into our lungs. Oxygen allows our cells to break down food and to get the energy we need to survive. We need oxygen to live and people need oxygen to live. Jesus is teaching about life not just for us, but for everyone. And that is why he is saying that you don't want your light to go out. We don't want to remove the oxygen that suffocates the light that's in us, but we want to light a room, light a, a world, light an organization, light wherever you are. We want to be the light of Christ because when that light is extinguished, you don't have the opportunity to witness. And then those who don't know him will not experience our witness. The light goes, if the light goes out, what happens? Darkness enters. When our light is lit, we bring light to the darkness lurking inside of those who have, who have yet to believe in Jesus Christ. So then, with all that information, and hopefully I didn't talk too fast, but guess what? You can rewind and listen to it again. It's a great message, and it's a message that we need to take with us wherever we go. So what are we supposed to do? He says, let your light so shine. It means we were meant to shine. We are meant to share our light wherever God has placed us. Some, of, some will be drawn to our light and others may run from it. Jesus didn't tell us to let it shine in certain places. He said that wherever you are, there is light. So wherever you go, there's light. People aren't looking at us. They're looking at our light. And for some of us, the light is blinding. And folks can't help but walk up to to us and say, there's something about you. And you can tell them, it's this little light of mine and I'm gonna let it shine wherever I go, all in my home, on my job, in the streets, in my church. I'm just gonna let it shine. Are they looking at us? No. Jesus said that when they look at our light, they see the good that we do, but realize that it's not within our power. And as such, they begin to glorify the one who is rightly due praise, which is our Father in heaven. I began this message, this podcast, by asking, do you know that you are an influencer? I'm going to conclude it in the same way. You are. You are an influencer if you let your light shine. All you need to do is let the power inside of you flow out. Let the light that God lit in you when you received him as your savior. Let it light you up. Let it light up the world. Let everyone see it. Let your light blaze so that many will be coming and running saying, what must I do to be saved? You are an influencer. So influence them with the light of Christ, with the salt of Christ. Sprinkle it on, light up the room and watch and see, won't Jesus change a mind, a heart and a world? Until next time, brothers and sisters, be sure to see the sunrise to see Christ in your everyday situations. God bless you.